0: Our comrades at Black Feminist Future will be hosting a free virtual experience celebrating the legacy, power, and possibilities of Black feminisms on
1: August 28th.
2: We deeply believe that Black liberation is achievable. And to get there, we must center Black feminisms, build power, and organize to defend and protect Black women, girls, and gender nonconforming folks.
0: Jubilee will be a space to be reintroduced re-energized and renewed
2: in black feminisms register for free at blackfeministhomecoming.com hey y'all i'm aon and i'm the lioness and
0: you're listening to box number 512 podcast
2: grown black trans woman talk changing your world one conversation at a
1: time the show begins now
0: If you would like to see this episode, along with other exclusive content, make sure you become a patron by going to our box number 512 podcast Patreon page, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month. The link to the page is in the show notes for this show. So make sure you go on over there if you would like to see the episode in addition to listening to it. All right, y'all back to the show. Welcome to another installment of Box Number Five Talk Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk Live. I am your co host, Aon. And I am the Lioness. How y'all feeling? Um, we are really happy to be here at, live from the Di- the Dolls are Thriving, a national virtual summit. Um, I want to thank um, you all, especially Marie Jensen, for reaching out to us for thinking of us to be a part of this. We are um, we're still in our infancy in our podcast. We launched in March of 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, so to have an opportunity to uh, have this platform, to speak back into our, our community, and to just create space and to do what we love um, with you all is definitely an honor for me. And we hope to have a great conversation for today. Um, sis, did you have anything you wanted to um, say?
2: No, I pretty much, you pretty much summed up my feelings. Um, this has been such a wonderful opportunity. I've had the privilege of being here both days. And um, the conversations have been transformative. We gave y'all a shout out on our last podcast we recorded because I missed, I didn't realize how much I missed community, how much I missed the dolls, my sisters, until really this conference. And it's just like the love that we have, that we come together, the words of affirmation that we extend to one another, the connections that we have are just irreplaceable. And it is valuable to me to be here today. It means a lot to be a part of this collective and to be a part of such a group of phenomenal women. And um, I look forward to more events like this. I know the world is shutting down and it'll be probably a while before we can truly, truly come together. But just this was enough to kind of, I guess, gird me up and steal me for for the journey ahead until we can get back together. So thank you guys for having me and thank you for having us.
0: So, so I think we want to do this like a regular episode. So I guess we can do a mini update. So sis, what did you do? What's the update that you can give today? What did you What did you do uh, that was an act of self-care for yourself today?
2: Um, an act of self-care was getting dolled up for this moment. So I'm a girl that gets her life off of being that girl, you know? And I dread, you know, in regular life, you can't really pull off sequins all the time. So I look for opportunities to give my razzle and my dazzle. And so, getting ready for this while I was on the um, combo earlier, I'm in the background just painting and you know getting it together, get myself together for this moment. Cause I'm like, if I get, if I can get glammed and dolled up to go out in the streets and turn, I, I definitely am gonna try to at least give. Um, that to the girls because y'all have been so given to me and I just really just you know it's for me in general this is life for me the glam of it all so yeah what about you Bree what did you do to give yourself a little bit of self care well,
0: well I feel attacked because I wasn't able to get glam uh, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that I don't care about the girls but. What I
3: did,
0: what I did do is, um, I so for this because I knew I, um, we were doing this conference and I was going both days. Um, I used my personal time at work. To um, so everybody on the call, if you had personal time and sick time and you work for a company, use that shit because the shade is these jobs really don't care about us, so we have to use our time and create our own self care. So I took off um, from yesterday till Friday. Um, and today, this morning, uh, I'm, I'm still a little bit under the weather, but I, I feel good enough. Um, so I went, I have a, I'm lucky to be in an apartment complex where we have a very fabulous pool. So I went to the pool and I laid out, um, I'm read, I'm in the middle of reading our book for our book club, um, the meaning of Mariah by Mariah Carey. We're going to have our conversation, um, about that book on our Patreon page Saturday, this Saturday at 8 PM, but I was able to read, um, to get, read a substantial amount of that, um, swim in a pool, like submerge myself in. the water get my hair wet and just really just um feel black trans fat and free in the water swimming just getting my life I got I got a I got a tan I don't know if you can see it on the thing but you can can see a little line I did I do have sunscreen because I do believe in sunscreen for black folks and I have a sunscreen moisturizer because black do crack but um you you should be Uh moisturizing your black but um that was that was just um really healing to me like being in my bathing suit um you know being tucked in this thing and you know all the, the parts i had and just um being enjoying this nice 90 degree weather enjoying my time off so that that is you know we need to be in the sunlight we need to be out we need to be among the, the kids screaming because they can't get like we need we deserve to be out so i'm just happy that i was able to take um the moment to get in the pool and i've been in this complex it'll it'll be it was a year in july and i'm trying to remember if the pool was open last year and i don't think that the pool was open last year because this time last year everything was still um it fiercely shut down um because of the um, pandemic but that was an act of self-care for me so before we get into our topic, we're going to have some housekeeping. So if everybody is on this uh, live Zoom call, y'all should be sharing um, this on your social media account so we can get the numbers up, so we can get more folks up in here. So you should be sharing the Zoom link, sending oh. it to your girlfriends. Go ahead. Sir. Oh, I want
2: to say shout out to our patrons on Patreon. Thank you for supporting a Black trans business. We love you. We appreciate all of your support. Our loyal Patreon family is so, so supportive and they are extra engaged and we love it. On our last episode, we had the privilege of answering some of your questions. And for those of you who did post questions, we spoke to you directly. You got a direct message from the Goyles. And so we're just happy to have you guys be a part of our family and if you would like to be a patron on Patreon, go to box number 512 Podcast. And all you have to do is key it in in the search bar and we'll come up and we just appreciate it. We have different tiered levels and there's something for everybody here. And we just want to provide extra content. Like my sister says, we have our book club that is debuted on there. We have our conversation on hotels, where we get into the tea that we don't really want out all on the media we have our conversations about our families, our loved ones, and you get this, this visual experience every week on box number 512. And we also do bonus footage that comes out as well. So you guys, if you want to really get the whole conversation, because you're kind of getting half, but if you get, if you want the whole conversation, you want to become a patron on our Patreon page. Thank you.
0: So yes, um, make sure you not only not only share the Zoom, make sure you're sharing this conference. I know it's the last day, but you know word of mouth is a really powerful thing, and we need to be promoting ourselves and promoting community stuff so we can continue to have this stuff um, in the future um, to show that we do um, show out and support each other. So, to I, for me, I felt it was important the conversations have been a lot about healing and self-actualization is, um black, well, not just black, but um, trans woman of color, but of course I'm speaking from uh, my persp- perspective as a black person. Um, I felt it was really imp- pertinent to um, have like a really, not, I don't wanna say deep because I, you know, I want to try to be crying and I feel like that, but I think in doing this work and being in this field, um, and also to be out and be open as a trans person and to create change. Um, I, think, I think it takes a radical act of um, rejecting the stories that are um, put on you about um, who we are, how we should value ourselves, what we deserve. And I think it takes a um, powerful person to realize that um, you have the right to not indulge and believe the lie. Um, you have the right to um let go of the lie that um society has told you your parents has told you your lover has told you and it some and in a lot of cases even at like the the micro level that you even um tell yourself so i um we want to have like a guided conversation of how to let go of the lie and i know and we and something that we do at Box Summer Podcast, we not we're not like a preachy podcast. We don't we don't ever assume to have the answers or tell you what you should do or what you um, shouldn't do because um, that's just not realistic. But um, we are very vulnerable on our podcast where we share our life experiences to show some of the lessons that um, we've learned and some of the lessons that we still um, have to master as we're, just, we're all trying to figure this thing out called life. Um, but when I say letting go of the lie, for me, what that looks like is letting go of the lie that um, letting go of the lie that my transness is inherently bad.
2: Yes, I think that's a good one, Bree. Talk about assist.
0: Um. So, so, so when we we have our conversation, to me that that's the center of everything because I think, particularly as a trans woman, you can be beautiful, you can have access to all of these things, but if like the root is because I'm trans, I'm somehow inherently inferior because I'm not cis or I need to do all of those things. To be cis or to position myself to be cis, it kind of um, taints everything you do, especially if you um if you see yourself as somebody that's an activism work, because it's not gonna in, it's not gonna only taint the work that you do; it's gonna taint the types of relationships that you have with other trans people. If the goal is to um, attain cisness, something something that from my perspective is just inherently unattainable. Um, before we get into um, And for me, I found an article um, written by Janie Moon, and it's basically about um, letting go of the lies that make us feel um, bad about ourselves. And it's just um, five steps to get through that. And I just think it's so relevant. And I think. I have a story or I have one story that hits on each of the steps. So I just want us to um, talk through it. And I'm pretty sure if we have enough time at the end, if y'all are feeling something and y'all want to jump in on the conversation, and if you have a story, please feel free um, to um, come in and share. Um Sis, did you have anything you want to say about the, the letting go of the lie?
2: Letting go of the lies. So what's interesting is, is that I was told a bunch of lies. And I internalized them. I was fed those lies and I internalized them and I ate them and I swallowed them. And for a while I thought that the lies nurtured me. I thought that my my beliefs, my, my Christian background and the, and the condemnation on it was something that it was my cross to bear. I thought that my family's rejection or the treatment that I faced growing up through living through bullying was something that was just a part of growing up, you know? I'm, I'm proud to see that we've gotten to this anti-bullying culture, but that I was told to suck it up. This is just, just how it is. And, and I'm from a very small town in South Carolina. And um, I want to say, rem- for me, removing the lies was unpacking an entire dogma. It was unpacking an entire belief system. It was unpacking my the way I saw the world to give myself permission to be free to give myself permission to show up in a world in a way that was never going to quite fit into any box. And just kind of really being okay with the fact that this paradigm in life, this dichotomy, this binary that we live in, the, the heteronormative standards that usually just neatly apply to everybody just simply would not fit for me. And so it was very, very um, uh, an enlightening experience. And I'm still unpacking lies. Um, I'm, I'm still carrying on the lies that I didn't know I'm still believing. Um, and, and, and so we can talk a little bit about the lies later. But I think the first step in unpacking li- packing the lies is realizing that you might not even be know, aware of it, but you're carrying lies that aren't yours to carry. I'm carrying shame that isn't mine to carry. I'm carrying um, feelings of insecurity that weren't mine to carry. But because I ate the lies, because that's all I was being fed, they sustained me so long that they were very hard to let go. So I feel like the first step is just truly understanding that as, as the beings that we are, we will never fit into everybody's neat expectations of what is normal, no matter how real you think you are, no matter how passable you think you are, no matter how um, how much you achieve in life, no matter the benchmarks that everybody checks off in this competing with the Joneses game, you will never completely fit in to the larger heteronormative framework that says, because you are who you are, you're not good enough. So, Yeah.
0: So I want to get into, so Josh breaks it down into um, six st- steps or six stages or whatever. So um, I'm going to talk about the first one. Um, the first one is acknowledge what you are feeling, your anger, your sadness, and your um, pain. Um, so I, I definitely have a brief narrative. I think, I think, um, You know, after once you first get on hormones, like everything is like a Disney movie, and then like you get you get to the phase where like shit gets real. And I have to be honest, um, there was I can't identify a period in my life where um, I don't know if I could vocalize that I hated that I was trans, but I did hate that I was not born cis. I did hate. Mm -hmm. I did hold like an anger and a hurt that. Um, I couldn't have what this women had. I did hold an anger like towards my mom, like, why couldn't I be born um why couldn't I be born sis? And, or why couldn't I um why couldn't I like just why can't my life be easy? Like why why like why is why does the shoe always have to drop? Um and looking back i i I felt that but I didn't it, it hasn't been until recently that I've been able to vocalize it especially that particular um point in my life and i I, I think it's I think it I think it's fair for us to um, be able to vocalize it and further to vocalize it while we're in it um because who knows if I would have had the permission to like actually vocalize my anger, who knows how I would have been able to, like, get that emotion out and make, like, different decisions. But, bitch, I can't lie, girl. I, like, for a period of time, I was angry because this was, like, I, I'm not this. I didn't choose to be trans. It is what it is. And now I'm not going to get what they have. And then I think at the time during this period, I was still an undergrad. So I'm in close proximity to a whole bunch of cis people, particularly cis women, seeing how they're able to interact with the boys or just ha- and knowing that that would never be me. And just, you know, just feeling out of place. So, sis, do you, um, do, do, did you have pain and sadness around acknowledging your transness?
2: Um, yes and no. So, acknowledging my transness was easy. I could look my mother very clearly and with clear confidence at four years old and tell her, "I'm a girl." I knew who I was. The pain and the sadness and the, the and all of that other stuff came as a result of living in a world where my parents and their desire to want to and I do believe now, hindsight being 2020. That a lot of what my parents did, and while it may have manifested in a way that that infringed upon what I felt like my freedom to be exist in the world, while they policed my gender heavily, I do believe that they want, they thought that they were providing me with the best tools that they had in the strategy of survival that's required to be black in America, right? So A lot of my sadness and my anger has now been repurposed. But for a very long time, I was very, very sad at the fact that just showing up in the world was enough to make people hate me. Just literally showing up. So I was the kid that wasn't allowed to play with other people's kids. I was the kid, not because my parents were necessarily trying to, but because other people's parents were like, I don't want that in my yard. I was the kid, That was made to feel like, in you know, while I'm showing up to church every Sunday, people are giving me this eye of judgment. And there, or, and I was being accused of being fast while I'm a virgin and I wasn't even thinking about sex at that time. I mean, very at a young age, when you show up in the space as a trans person, it's almost like your existence confronts everyone's insecurity. You are forcing them to stand in something that they did not expect to see, that they thought was not in their family, that they thought would never be in their community. The other has snuck in. And I am I have I am used to being um, an exceptionally good communicator. And I'm used to being that child that people wanted to you wanted me to speak, but you also wanted me to shut the hell up. As soon as I was done and my use was done for whatever the event was or for whatever it took for my parents to feel proud of me, as soon as I got off stage, everything about me became, I want you to be minimized. Don't walk that way. Don't sit that way. Don't talk that way. Getting my hand hit, you know, all of that stuff was a part of my childhood and it created a lot of sadness and anger and anger manifested for me in my middle, my, like in my, really it showed up a lot in my teens and twenties. Um, I had anger and I had sadness so bad that I did not want to live. And I lived in that space for years beneath the surface. And it's amazing how we live in a world today where now we can talk about mental health. But I can remember in the late 90s, early 1000s when I was the girl in the gang, I remember not ever feeling like I could really talk about my low level, not low level, high level depression and get help for it because it would have made me crazy. And on top of being a tranny, I won't be crazy. See, you can call me all these other things, but I'm not gonna let you call me crazy. So part of what what, what really the biggest lie was, was believing that black meant I had to be strong all the time. And being a black woman meant I had to be damn near invincible. And I had to get to that place where I, in order for me to let, and i talked about this in a couple of the workshops we've had, but in order for me to let that go, therapy was required. I had to take a step back from everything and everybody and get my shit together.
0: Okay, so we're going. You you took us right to step two. So step two, after you do the acknowledgement, release it, express it safely away from blunt objects and in the comforts of your home. Um, don't hold it in your body to fester and turn into a disease. So, for you, a way to release. So, when were you able to go to therapy? Because for me, I know. I wasn't able to go to therapy until I saw it as a mechanism for me to um, like get my gender marker change and stuff like that. Um, but when I really needed to go to therapy, it really wasn't until I was like late in law school and I was like um, in my thirties. And I'm glad I'm glad that I was able to release it. I'm glad that I got to that step. But I'm, part of me is sad that it took so long, or part of me is sad that I was so surviving so long that. I had suppressed so much stuff and then I was moving in habits and patterns and that um, even my trauma, I was, I was, I was mitigating and minimizing my traumas and like traumatic shit that I really went through because I was trying to survive or I was trying to be the best version of trans for this person or um, so. In my life, I've eventually gotten to the point where I release it, um, not only with like a mental health professional, um, I'm very careful of the friendships and relationships that I have where um, we I can share with other, particularly other trans women, and we can share, we can express, but we're not like emotionally dumping on each other, but we're sharing in the fact to say, you know, this is what I went through and this is how I'm getting over. But, um, but when I did get to that point, it was very... It felt very empowering to name that. Okay, bitch, I was angry, and I had the right to be angry. Mm-hmm. I had I had the right to be angry because it, it 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 can be a hard life, and you know it's not for everybody. And I have I have the um, right to be angry, but in me expressing it, I'm able to. I'm able to, I'm able to with me not holding on to it and me expressing it. I'm not. I'm able to see that I'm not to say that I'm blameless or I'm faultless, but it's not my fault that I was born into a fucked up world with all the shit that we have to work through, and it's just part of the um the life experience. And that um, I'm somebody that's committed to getting to the, um, the other side, but um, but since how were you able to release it? How are you? In addition to the therapy?
2: Um. Well, I'll say this before therapy um, before I was really able to process my anger, I thought that I was releasing it with men um I thought a big strategy of my survival was if nothing else I know I'm, I know that I have a pullover men if nothing else I'm aware of the draw and I leaned into that very young in my transition and it was a bit of affirmation for me even if, even, and I'm gonna be honest, even if I wasn't being claimed, even if these men weren't offering any more than a, than a hard dick in a moment, I personally got my life everlasting off of the caliber and the type of man that I could attract. Problem with that was it, it was dependent upon uh, someone else. So if I was ever in a moment where I could not get that male gaze, if I could not get that reaction, I didn't know what to do with myself and how it showed up for me was um, I remember. So I went to Georgia State University, downtown Atlanta. Um, I, so my choice, even my choice in school was just kind of like, OK, I, I, I ran away. I'm in the big city. I was downtown. I literally went to the library on Tree Street, went to the computer and typed in schools in downtown Atlanta. First one came up near me, schools in downtown Atlanta near me. I'm in Peace Tree. B Street Center train station, is just around the corner from Georgia State. As soon as I put in the address, it said zero point something miles, And I was like, oh, this one gone. Like, (laughs) it was like, cause I just, I was just like, I can't do this living in life anymore. And like, I knew I was smart. I knew that before I ran away from home and came to Atlanta that I had scholarships and things of that nature. So I knew I could get into a school, but it was me really wrapping my mind around, I don't want to go to college too long as no boy. I just can't I, as an effort or even being accused of being something like that. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with the male species, but I'm not one of you. And, you know, I, I felt really that way. So I, when I got into college, I remember having this, anx- I didn't know it was anxiety. I would get this, I thought I was having heart attacks. So I was regularly running up the Grady, like my heart is about to fall out of my chest. And I can't sleep at night, and I can't, you know, I can't. I I remember getting let them doing the stress test and EKG and hooking all that up, and they keep saying, ma'am, you're okay. And I'm like, but I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And um, believe it or not, um, it was after I was sexually assaulted violently, very violent rape, that I knew that I had to talk to somebody because the experience was so traumatizing that I, it was like, a, I had PTSD, the flashbacks would be constant and that contributed to the anxiety. And I started going to Georgia State's Counseling Center and they offered free, um, a certain amount of free services to students and then after that, it was like a reduced cost. And um, you were essentially being counseled by people and they're getting their um, hours up to sit for whatever counseling exam it was and but these were counselors who were there to provide and they were under the supervision of a phd that was you know my administering the program and i remember very early on being like going to my counselor and not wanting to release it like feeling like i had to keep it i had to be strong i had to hold it and i remember one day she was like aren't you tired and i was like no i'm fine i'm awake. what you mean i'm tired she was like aren't you tired of feeling like you have to carry it all. And I think somebody naming it, and she was a woman of color, and I think somebody naming it was what broke the dam. And I remember crying, and I remember having this moment. And then I remember avoiding her for a couple sessions because I didn't know how to take <laughs> it. <laughs> I was just like, girl, I do none of that. Um, but I eventually went back. And through that therapy, I realized that I was so much that I was holding that wasn't mine to hold. The shame in the rape, the shame in my childhood, the shame in the abuse, the shame in, you know, all and being homeless, the shame in not necessarily always being able to look the most fab. All of those things were, were, were oppressing me. And it was, it took therapy for me to get to that place. And so that was my release. It actually was, a, I guess what you would call rock bottom. I, I was literally, it was causing as a disease. It was causing a problem.
0: So that takes us to um three, once, once you're able to express it and release it, um, ask yourself the tough questions and answer truthfully until you get to the very bottom of your pit of despair. There you will find the treasure, the lie that you've been telling yourself. Um for me, um, what that looks like, for a long time, I feel like I feel like I've I've gotten into a habit where I use like school, work, and career to kind of um, cover up those parts of myself that I wanted to hide. Um, And I really, I'm thankful for the pandemic, even though it's been horrible and many people have died. um, I'm thankful for it because um, just that alone time and that silence to really um, be by myself and to um, not be distracted. I really feel like it's like um, the first time that I've just been able to process like so many um, deep, um, dark emotions that I was that I was trying to distract from, and in the world pre-pandemic, it was so easy to distract and cover up or to use other people and other relationships. But um, to to get to the the, t- the tough questions of. At a cell- cellular level, like what is it going to take for me to like fully love and embrace myself as a trans woman, and like note like, and to to just to acknowledge that um, I'm not cis and that's okay, and to acknowledge that I'm a complex being and I have I have um, I can hold space for my joy and my pain, and I feel I don't think um, we've ever been taught. Particularly as like people of color, we're not taught to um, be multifaceted and hold the, to hold all of those different emotions at us at the same time. In my experience. You, I, I'll come off so strong or I can handle it that the first time something um, emotional happens, I'm overwhelmed and you know I'm depressed for like a number of weeks and I, or I'm trying to run away from, you know how you can feel when that depression is coming on and you're trying to run away from it and you're trying to deny it. And um, the pandemic has really um, inspired me to really sit down in the pain and really work through it and really um, get to the root of like why this thing is um, causing me pain, and I can I can tell you that one of the things is, um, even even with my activism and um, the perception of me up until the point of last year, I still had a fear of um, because I'm trans that I'm going to be lonely and how just how that like loneliness and like that need for affection even the smallest it drives so many of the decisions that we make it puts so it has it, put me in dangerous and bad situations the situations that weren't the most healthy for me um but i can i'm happy to say that sitting in that pain and that isolation that knowing that you're different looking at like my sis counterparts that I went to school with and seeing how easy how easy it appears that their life is on the surface um i realized that through telling myself the lie i've denied myself the ability to look at life differently like i had more options than what i thought i had or what i was telling myself short like my life doesn't have to be like their life but i can still find joy in my life and at this chap in this chapter or successions of chapters in my life, I'm really committed to looking at the full picture and looking at stuff differently and also taking chances that I never would have um, taken before um, because I was so committed to following a path. I was so committed to fitting the mold that um, I wasn't open to my life looking a certain way, my career looking a certain way, my love life looking a certain way because I wanted to be um, so sis. Um, and also sitting in the fear that or or not even not being fearful of being a single person but like embracing it not saying that i'm anti-relationship or i'm not romantic no i'm i still am a romantic person i desire love and it's important to nurture those parts of me and those parts of my identity but when you're single and you have a community of family and friends and especially trans sisters, are you really alone? Are you really alone? And I I think about how much time I wasted chasing men um, that I've taken away from nurturing my relationship with my mom and my aunts and my trans sisters and just so much of the feminine energy in my, my life that I've, that you just take for granted. You just always assume that these people are gonna be there for you because when you call, they do answer. But I realized that in um, kind of wallowing in my loneliness and only being consumed about the pain that I, haven't, I didn't really... Acknowledge the joy and the fullness that I um, do have in my life. Um, Sis, did you have anything you wanted to add?
2: I did. Um, So I can, I definitely can relate to that feeling of, well, what if, what if I don't ever get in a relationship? Now, at this point, I am, but I remember the feeling of, Am I literally, is my life or all of the accomplishments, all of these beautiful relationships that I've established, all that I've done in my life, my degrees, it does, does all of it amount to nothing if I don't have a man? Like, what if it never happens when I want it to happen? Not that it, you know, I always kind of held out hope, but like just operating in that fear and allowing that fear to keep me from being able to appreciate the now, the beauty in now. So I can remember being a girl that was like, oh, honey, when I get a man, I'm going to go to this place. When I get a man, I'm going to get him to take me to that restaurant. When I get a man, I'm going to get him to do this for me. When I get a man, we're going to go and go. And I'm going to finally get to go on that grand vacation I want to go on. And then I got to my late 20s and I was just like, nah, bitch, nah, bitch, you're going to have to live for the moment because if this nigga never shows up, there's got to be a way that I can experience happiness and joy without having that gray cloud in the horizon of loneliness and the fear of, what if this beautiful day that I'm having couldn't have been better if I had a man, if this beautiful time I'm having with my girlfriends could have been better if I had a man, or if I was going home to a man after this, like it was so, um, such an important part of my freedom to divorce myself from the idea that my happiness was dependent upon any other person. That also applied for my relationships with family. Like, will my life end if my daddy never comes around? Am I gonna stop living and die because he's never gonna come around? If I get to that place where am I, am I gonna be hurt that there are family members that did not choose in this walk of life to stay on my side? No, I'm gonna choose to divorce myself from things I cannot change And the feelings around, like not saying don't acknowledge your feelings, but divorce yourself from the shame and the things other people's feelings so that I could be free. And so it meant, okay, I'm gonna be okay not going home for Christmas. I'm gonna be okay not dealing with them people if I have to. I'm gonna be okay if I don't have a man and I'm not actively, everything in my life isn't about putting on something for a man to be sexual and find me attractive. You know, once I switched the paradigm in my life, on what made and what defined my happiness, I feel like it was just as simple as me breathing in, breathing out and saying, I'm okay. And even though it's not okay, I'm okay. And I think it's okay to have, like,
0: sadness or a longing. Like, sometimes I do go out and I was like, oh, this will be really, like, I'm enjoying myself. But if I had somebody to share this here with me, that would be nice, too. But to not let that dominate everything that you, because, you know, we're still human. But, to like, it's okay to have, like, those feelings exist. But when you get to a point where you let, let it paralyze you, where you just don't be nothing, or you just, like, that... Um, that's crippling. Um, so I want to move us into the next step. Oh, girl, we really moving through these steps, bitch.
1: Okay. Be,
0: um be gentle, accept your lie, and forgive yourself for telling it. I, talk- I, I kind of oh, feel like you want, I kind of feel like you want
2: to say something. So go ahead, take over, some of this. Yes. Accept your lie. Accept your lie. Now, there are I talked earlier about. The lies that other people tell, right? Except the lies we tell ourselves. One of the lies I told myself was that my passability or my beauty would keep me safe. And I and I thought at some point in my life that if I just became the most passable, I'd one day be able to. And this is me evolve now. I know that wasn't right, but I'd be like, I'd be able to let this shit go. Like this transness, I'll just be able to navigate and the world would just open up. When I got the right surgery, the skies would just miraculously blossom and say, you woman now, you know? And it never fucking happened. <laughs> and, and that was okay because I had, the, the lie was well, that there was something wrong with being trans and not just the transness of like, I mean, the feeling of, you know, the condemnation from family or, whatever, the religious aspect of it. But no, 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 no. There was a part of me that hated me. Even though I went out in the world and told everybody that I believed that I was fabulous and all this, and the third, there's still a part of me that resented myself. You know how you talk about the resentment you little bit had towards your mother for you being trans. I had their resentment towards myself in the sense of like, damn bitch, you know, you're very, very talented. And can't you just be what these people want you to be? Can't you just like not just not just always be so different all the time? And the lie that I told myself was, well, if I'm going to transition and I'm going to be this woman, then I have to be the most passable woman that I can be. And until I get to that place, that's where happiness lies. Until I got to that place, I was never going to be really kind of okay. I would always look in the mirror and find my flaws. Oh, I don't like my nose. I don't like the way my chin is shaped. I don't like my grandma. I don't like And I could go through a list boom, 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 boom of all the things that I had and what I discovered was as passability inevitably came over time with hormones and love and God and Jesus and hairspray and all that jazz. um, Eventually when passability finally was something that I felt was was, I was kind of people weren't throwing the L bomb at me as much because there's no real such thing in my opinion. I realized that that shit was toxic. That I was going to always be holding myself to a standard, that there would never be a surgery that would that would take away the reality of me being trans and that trans was beautiful. So the lie that the world believes about us is that our existences are miserable, that we're miserable people, that we're miserable in these bodies. And I internalize that a lot. Some of what caused me to internalize that was the way our medical system currently deals with trans people and us having to have a dysphoria that is strong enough for them to feel like we will treat you. And it was, I feel like in a weird way, some of it was reinforced by some of the professionals that I consulted to get better because ultimately they made me feel like things will get better once you get your vagina. And when I realized at a certain point that that was never gonna be the end all be all, then it was like, okay, I gotta now figure out what loving myself looks like. And I had to forgive myself for all of those years that I was so hard on myself. I look back at pictures now, pictures that I hated. And I'm like, oh bitch, you were over. Why didn't you know it? Why didn't you know you were sickening? Because at the time I could only see The lie that I told myself that I'm never, I'm not where I need to be until I have this certain surgery or this certain procedure. And so that's the lie. The lie for me was unpacking that beauty and passability would be the thing that would just change my life magically. And it didn't. The world still is the world. The shit still is the shit. The oppression is still the oppression. The the hate is still the hate. And I, I realize now that the strength that I have is in that I'm trans see what I thought was a weakness is a strength. Because now I've realized, like I talked about earlier, I don't have to play by none of his rules. I don't have to be nothing you think I am. I don't have to show up in a certain way. I don't have to have a certain set of surgeries. I'm going to be trans. And if you clock me, God bless you, you've witnessed the miracle, darling. It's no shade. It's no tea. It's nothing to be insecure about. Bitch, I'm trans. And that's beautiful. And it took a while to get there, but I'm I'm and I am still having my days. I ain't gonna sit here and be like, girl, I'm just I'm every woman, bitch. No, I have my moments, but I had to get to that place where I was like, bitch, you're gonna be trans, you're gonna die trans. What whatever surgery you lay down up on, whatever table you lay down up on to get whatever surgery, you still gonna wake up trans. So and I'ma just embrace that. And then since embracing it, life has been better a little bit,
1: a little bit.
0: I have I had nothing to add to that I think that was um beautiful I think that was perfect and that takes us into step five lovingly let it go and rewrite your story um I think that has been the most empowering to me um some of the things that I tell myself now that in rewriting my story that I'm valuable my time is valuable I am lovable um though I am complex, I am worth the journey. Um, I'm, I'm worth you getting to learn my complexities. Um, my family loves me. I think that was a tough one. That was a, a tough one because sometimes we could have a traumatic situation with one person. And for me, I use that to make this blanket assumptions about my whole family um, that really saw, that really see it for me, but they were just, you know, caught in the sauce, and, you know, I've lost time with them. Um, I've lost time with them, though I do believe that everything happens in this right time. When people finally started to come around about my transness, I had to let go of the story that, um, these were the big, bad, transphobic people that are just, um, hateful and, um, and I had to have a grace, um, and part and part of re- rewriting this story is, um, folks are trying. Folks, but because folks love me, folks are trying. Folks are correcting themselves. Um, other things, I deserve to be in public spaces. I deserve to travel. I deserve to have like my life is so much full now. Just because I'm open to so much more stuff, I'm open to the, just the possibility of living life. I'm going places. Um, I'm open to the possibility of, like, um, I think one of the fucked up things about depression is the disease always, it always tricks your mind into thinking that you're alone, that nobody understands, that no like, it's a very, it's a disease that it works on, like, self-isolation and that negative um, self-talk. And part of me rewriting a story is, um, giving myself permission to tell my truth in the hopes that I might be able to connect with somebody else. Um, because I realize now more than I did back then that we're all going through similar things and we all we all think we're alone and sometimes we just uh, need to build community with each other. Um, rewriting a story that we can't build community among trans women that exists outside of like the nonprofit industrial complex, but just like us being sisters like being girlfriends on a life level. Like I've had to I've had to um rewrite a lot of things. Like I've had to um value myself in a way um where I feel more comfortable to put myself in a state. And this is irregardless of whether I look passable or not or whether I look cocky or not. Like like it like you want to accept me no matter what shape or form form that I come in. Um, Cause it's it's just very much to that point to me. Cause back to your point, it doesn't matter how much you're passable or how much you think. Like if you can't set me in like my bare essence, then you know you're not somebody that I need to be around. And, and it, I had to get to a point in my transition where it had to be deeper than just what I'm bringing to the table physically. Like if you're not, if we're not connected to each other like spiritually, if there's just no, if there's no connection. Um, I can't perform my femininity for you, and I don't owe you that. Hell, I don't even owe myself femininity. How, what, however, I show up on the particular day, um, that's how I expect to be received. But I still, I still need to know that you love me. I still need to know that I love, I'm loved, um, that I'm valuable, and um, I can, I can only interact with folks that um, rise to the occasion to, to meet me there. Sis, did you have anything you wanted to? you're muted
2: sorry um, I particularly wanted to speak on the piece you're talking about family. Um, one thing that I I lived my life minimizing myself so from a young age showing up this film this film body in the world from a very being extremely high film at a very young age I was very very policed and that required that I in order to get around that I learned to disappear. I learned to be in a space of people and physically disappear. And it was amazing. Cause even I got so good at it, that at a certain point, I remember like, by the time I got to high school, the kids would look at, look around to see like, they would be doing shit. And they look around to see me and be like, Oh shit. Like, like as if I was just a chair, like it would, like nobody would acknowledge my presence. And I was cool with that. I had cultivated that how that manifested though, as an adult, was I often would, particularly around family and for a long time I couldn't go home because there would be a part of me that would like revert back. Like I would be good. I'm living my life. I'm happy. Life is amazing. Little niggas are fabulous. You know, the money is coming in and I would still go home and crossing the South Carolina border, it would just be like, Let me minimize, let me get smaller again. Let me take, let me not show up in my full and full. Let me try to be as attainable as possible to people. And I realized that it it just was bullshit. And one thing that my trans mother said to me one day that really, really stuck with me, and I'm going to pass this nugget on, God rest her soul, never let a motherfucker make you feel comfortable. No, no, never let a motherfucker feel comfortable enough to make you feel uncomfortable. You create your reality in the sense that there were times where I would give family, people in the world, the cashier at the the store, all these other people deference, not even realizing I was doing it, but I would tolerate people making me feel uncomfortable, whether it be, you know, a relative that I love misgendering me, whether it be a relative that I love, um, yes, it was Cheryl. Um, never will I, um, 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 never will I, you know, it was just like, I would go places and the cashier, if they made a mistake or, or if I felt like, oh, well, I'm a just, you know, they didn't mean no harm. And I lived in an apology, a constant, oh no, no, it's okay. Oh no, 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 it's okay. Oh no, 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 don't worry about it. I lived in that space. And she was the woman that told me it's okay to take up space, baby. You have a body and that body needs to be able to navigate and move through this world unencumbered. But guess what? You're making something about you is making people feel comfortable, making you feel uncomfortable. You're giving off something that makes them feel comfortable, making you feel uncomfortable. And when I realized it was a thing, and then when I saw her snatch everybody's edges ball all the time, it gave me the courage to be like, well, wait a minute. You can have a difficult conversation and survive. I can check this woman at the, you're not, I don't know you. Girl, you will never disrespect me at this register. And when I started carrying that kind of energy, it was amazing to witness. So the lie for me was that people would come around simply because they would eventually see how much that what they did hurt me. So that meant having to have the conversation with my mom. And listen, it's been too long now. Mm. You can't be sometime on these on these pronouns. Now, this is a piss to get off the pot moment, Mama. Now, either we are as gonna move together in unity, because see, when it's me and you and we around by ourselves, you have no problem being respectful to me. But we get around a certain family and you kind of lose your confidence in my name, girl. What's up? You know? And like actually being able to confront a thing was power for me. And I've spent my whole life not wanting to confront anything and hoping that eventually people would see that I'm hurt. And it was never happening. Sometimes you gotta be able to shake the motherfucking table, rattle that bitch. Make them realize that you are somebody and you're deserving of respect because they're not willingly going to cede it to you. And that's something that was a lie that I wish somebody would have told me sooner, but then my trans mother did tell me eventually. Nobody's gonna cede you on their discomfort see when i show up i know i'm making you uncomfortable so you're not gonna cede any of your any any more ground to me by making me feel comfortable you're not gonna give that because you don't want me in the space so the only way i'm gonna get the full respect that i deserve is sometimes i gotta rattle your motherfucking nerves real hard real fast real i gotta get you and when i get you i can do it and i've learned to do it in a way that's loving so now we can have a follow-up wrap up conversation on where that went wrong because usually people will try it to see if they can get away with it now, they're not really gangster like they really think they are, but when you check them, then all of a sudden it's, oh, oh, I didn't mean it, you getting offended, I didn't mean no, no, yes you did, because I know you knew when I showed up in here today that I wasn't the name you just called me, or I wasn't the gender you just called me, or the pronoun, I know you saw these motherfucking titties, and you knew where I was trying to go with this, but you decided that you were going to try me, and today you got the right bitch in the wrong moment, and so yes, sometimes you got to shake the table. <laughs>
0: So that takes us into our last step. And then after our last step, we can um, have some interaction um, from our listeners. Um, The last and final step. Finally, chuckle at the absurdity of it all and remind someone else of this human process of death, rebirth, and growth through your own sharing, storytelling, and your art and we just we've done just that so pat on the back for us yay no but in in all, in all seriousness um it's it's the gift of sharing that um you know we are human too like we like 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 you said like i if somebody tells me that i'm not a racist i'm not fat phobic, i'm not transphobic i'm not all of these things i would say that that person is a liar because no nobody nobody is ever like statically one thing at one particular time. Like unlearning all of this shit is like a lifelong commitment to unlearning this th- this shit. It do- it just doesn't come one day and you're healed because you will always be put in a situation because we live in the world that we live in. But giving your permission to not believe your lie. And giving yourself permission to stand in your own truth, um, no matter what people think about you, um, giving yourself permission to cultivate your space and to bring things into your space that affirm you and bring you joy. Those are acts of resistance against all of these things. And um, I give my personal permission to do that every day. Um, I hope you all that are under the sound of our voice have the strength to um, do what feels um, affirming to you. Do what feels do do what it, do it spiritually um, uplifts you. And together we are all walking on this journey together. So did you have any final words that you wanted to say?
2: This comment thread that no one can see from home, but that for those of us that are privileged to be in this space can see, is the definition of being able to chuckle at the bullshit. And I just want to say, I'm grateful that my sisters understand that in me saying all these difficult things that I've been through, that the last thing we all, any of us need is somebody going, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes, because I'm I'm not that girl, like I love to laugh and I can cackle, And even in my darkest moments, there are moments, there are parts of it and things that I can extract out, moments of joy that I can extract out of it. And I think that's a superpower that we have. I think that's something that that's the thing that the world really misses when you don't have a trans friend, when you don't have that girl in your circle, when you are so afraid of what it looks like to have a trans person in your life. We are a pure, unmitigated key. We are joy. We bring joy. We are people that love to laugh in spite of it all. When we get together, there will be a moment we will have a fallout. We will find a way to be happy no matter how dark it is. Some of my best keys in my life. Was with my homegirl, Janelle. Shout out to Janelle. When well, we was both homeless, squatting in a house with no with no power and water, and the water was girl every now and then, girl they would gag us and get us there too. And like I can remember being in that moment where that was some of the most fun moments of my life on that mattress on the floor, bitch, having a key without a pot or a window, like and and just having a moment. And I think that. Oftentimes, you know, because of the work that we do and calling attention to our issues and our pain and our suffering for the world to understand why, what we go through, we are, they often get to miss because they don't come to these spaces and they don't get to see the comment thread. They miss that we are beings of light, that we are beings of joy. And one thing I always try to say as a part of my ministry on this world is to to show up and bust it the fuck up with light and love. Like I come, when I come in the building, you may you may not have planned to see a have a transsexual encounter, <laughs> but you're gonna have one right now and that's okay. And I'm gonna come bringing my full self and I'm still working on that because I still have my moments, but I'm gonna bring my full self. I'm gonna bring as much of my authentic self to the, to the and you're gonna, whether or not you get my little gay humor and my little inside jokes, it doesn't matter, honey, because I'm having a key. And this moment, this joy is about me. It's not performative. It's not me doing something for you. But yeah, you're gonna enjoy this transsexual encounter. <laughs> you're gonna enjoy it one way or another because I'm gonna enjoy it. So whether or not you enjoy it or not, I'm gonna enjoy it. And 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 that joy that we bring is something that people don't talk about.
0: Um. So it looks like we have about 20 minutes left. So if anybody from the audience want to open it to the floor, yeah, wanted to come up and say say some reflections. What what are some of the lies that you let go of? Um, and where are you today in your journey? Um, please feel free to cam up, mic up, however you feel comfortable. And let's. Um, let's
2: All y'all, y'all been calling on me from, from the darkness. I've been having my camera turned off, y'all just been randomly calling on me. So y'all, come on now. Come on, girls. Come on.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, uh, Marie, come on. I see you raise your hand.
3: You all are so powerful. I hope that you get all the funding there is possible. Like, I'm here with Joss. We're sitting on my couch having a glass of wine because we're pretty much done facilitating today. And we're just like, the whole time you're talking, we're just like, yes, 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 yes. It's just, you're so good. You all are so good. You know, I think you're right. Like, there has to be personal. You have to let go of some stuff. And um, I, I have... I have a very uh difficult relationship with my mother. Uh I do not Oh, I'm going to cry. Uh, I don't talk to her. I haven't talked to her since I was 17. Um but she's managed to follow me throughout my journey. Like she's managed to like follow shit that I've done and like I'll get these random messages from her and every time it's like really fucked up. It's framed in this way of like we didn't kick you out. None of that happened to you. You never experienced homelessness. And uh, don't ever tell anyone that you that that happened. And good job on on like making this article or doing this interview. And uh, we know the truth, and we're here to take you back whenever you want us. Uh, and I, I it's like very. It used to like really fuck with me because it would it would often like literally disrupt my entire month when I would get like this email from her and it would just like show up in my email box or I get like a Facebook message um and to see sort of like the destruction of what of sort of like not only of what she was doing but what she did in terms of terms of like really kind of like convincing my younger brother and sister who I raised uh that uh that I'm bad and that like you know I don't deserve love and that that's sort of like you know i'm the reason why things happen in the house uh but um i think it's it's honestly it's 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 one of the reasons why i didn't uh it's one of the reasons why i didn't transition for so long and uh this woman Jahira was literally the reason it was the final push that like helped me get to where I was. And she was like, you have to let that go. Like you have to let that shit go. And and, and I realized even at 34 years old, I was still living my life in some way out of fear of what my mother would think of me that I had no relationship with since I was 16 or 17, you know? So like, thank you because i feel like that is so powerful and you really have to do that work and of course now i am like way happier than ever and i'm crying just because like you you, what you all shared is so powerful it's it's it needs to be said so thank you
2: thank you and i'm glad that we were able to have that impact i will say i can relate to that feeling of disconnection. And, and there were so many years. So I'm going to say better part of a decade that I was estranged from my family. I hinted at it earlier, but I ran away from home and that running away caused an estrangement. And there were many, many years where the narrative behind my back was that I was the problem and that I was this and that I was that. And as a result, I have siblings that have, I have a, I have a sister that ha- um, has never let me meet her children. And she has, an 11-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a six-year-old, and I've never met her children. Because she was. it was put in, somehow it got in her head that I'm a problem, that I'm serving the devil, that I'm not a, you know? And she feels while she will hit me up individually and talk to me, she will hang up the phone as soon as I begin to mention her children because in her mind, she needs to keep them from me. And so I can relate to that feeling of, of just, Rejection and how that can leave you in such a vulnerable place, but then also the power that you can get eventually when you get to that place where you realize it is what it is. And if it never gets better, I got to be happy today. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Is there anyone else that would like to add to this? Oh, diamonds in the building. Hi, Royal. Um, Is there anyone else that would like to um, share with us in this moment? We got twenty minutes, y'all. So,
0: well, Diamond, you turn your camera on, and I, I'm just going. To I explain. feel like that. I was. I, you didn't just turn your camera on just to be beautiful. Yeah, you
2: can. You, I, I'm pregnant with anticipation.
4: I was. I was going to let Josh go because she cut her camera on first.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, we'll start with Josh, and then we will go with Diamond. Josh, go ahead and give us some love and
5: light. I just want to say thank you for everything y'all shared with this podcast. I felt so loved on even though y'all were in conversation with each other I felt like what you were discussing comes up in our lives as trans women so frequently even just the one part where you were talking about not letting someone get so comfortable that they're making you feel uncomfortable and that is a that is a deep challenge I struggle with on a daily basis, a daily basis. And hearing it vocalized that way, honestly was like a wake up call in so many ways. And cause I never really looked at it in, in that framework of me allowing someone to get so comfortable around me that they feel okay disrespecting me. So thank you for that, because that touched my heart deeply. That really, it really honestly did. So thank you, that really touched me.
2: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, sometimes, like I said, you got sometimes you gotta shake the building and never let a motherfucker make you feel comfortable enough to make you feel uncomfortable. That's how she said it. And you never let a motherfucker feel comfortable enough to make you feel uncomfortable. And she kind of said it in a scolding way, but I, in that moment, I was like, okay. Okay, I can roll with that. Like it was a it was a it, it sometimes it just takes somebody to say it to you in a succinct way. So I'm glad you caught that nugget because that that changed my life. Yes, diamonds.
4: So I, I can hear Courtney, Cheryl Evans saying that in my in, in her voice in my mind. I could it's just so sickening that <laughs> her spirit is in this place and I love it. I love it, <laughs> I, love it I love it. Um I think for me, the lie that I told myself how my brain works in regards to like my dysphoria and my transness is um, once I had the goal, once I had once I realized in my young, in my young, early preteen age that, oh, it is possible for me to live my life as a woman. Like once I realized, oh, this is possible, it almost kind of healed My dysphoria because I had a goal. Ooh, I can I had I made this whole list. Of what I what I needed to do to get to the level that I wanted to be, I gotta get a pussy, I gotta get titties, I gotta, um, I wanna get a degree, I gotta get, am I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get a boyfriend, I'm gonna get all these things that, of course, mimicked what I saw so my mother, what things women did that I thought this is what makes you a woman. I gotta make sure I can cook good, make sure I can suck dick good, make sure I can fuck good, make sure I can do all the things good. And so once I had all of these lists of things, whether it's my physical self, my everything, it actually, in my mind, it kind of soothed my dysphoria because, oh, I got go. a goal. I can, I know how much money this costs. I know how much da, 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 da. And so my mind was just on getting to those goals. But what ended up happening is I wasn't centering me. Like I was centering every fucking thing else, everything on this fucking list. This list ain't me. <laughs> this list isn't actually me. It may be some goals that I want to get, but it it doesn't get to the heart of who Diamond is. And so, the last lie that I told that um that that for me that I had to really dismantle is that is is the 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 falsehood that a relationship really. Is important to my being as I navigate the world. That getting married, having a man, da 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 da. While those things, if authentic, are absolutely beautiful. It doesn't define me as a person. So if it doesn't happen, it just doesn't fucking happen. I'm still gonna find my joy in other places, in my work, in 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 my friends, in my family, in my other loves, in my casual love relationship. I'm going to find it in 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 other places and it's not necessarily may not manifest in that way but i remember when i was younger in my teens and my early 20s it was like you got to have a man you got to have somebody you know I, what kind of woman are you if you can't snag a man that's what define you you got you pretty enough for somebody to have you on their arm you passable enough for somebody to have you on their arm that was a defining thing just like it just as defining as me getting breasts just as me defining as me getting pumped and da 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 dah. it was, I need to have this perfect I I live-in boyfriend and da-da-da-da-da-da, I need to look this certain way, we need to look this, he needs to act a certain way, he needs to be darker than me, he needs to be, I had all of these kind of things that was unrealistic uh, and weird and rooted in all kinds of bullshit, but it was, it was what the list was. And so I had to realize that, yo, this is all bullshit. And in, in dismantling all of these systems that you learned about, you didn't have your politics when you were a teen when you were 20. I know these politics are wrong and I'm trying to dismantle all of that shit. So for me in my thirties, I'm, I turned 40 this year and in my thirties, I learned that, yo, your, your love is rooted in you and who you are not people outside of you it can come from people but it has to start here and emanate out so i thank y'all for having this conversation and making and making me reflect on that i love being in community with y'all sisters y'all are you know y'all. you know we're in the same medium and i just feel like we have like overlining politics and i love y'all and y'all amaze me every time i hear y'all speak so thank y'all
2: Well, I want to say it's because you walk that we run. So a lot of y'all, a lot of people don't know, but behind the scenes, Diamond was one of the first people was the what was really the first person we contacted when we were thinking about having this idea. And I remember I had all these questions. Well, what equipment do we need? And what do we need on this? And what do we need on that? And she was like, girl, you don't need none of that shit. You just need to do it. And I remember being like, huh? She was like, girl, just do it. Like, there will always be something that you're going to need. And as you grow and as y'all can expand, y'all can get other new things. But at the end of the day, y'all just need to do it.
4: Just start. (laughs) Just
2: start. Yeah, just start. (laughs) And I just remember having that feeling of like, okay, well, we could just
5: start. And And that's
0: literally the same advice I give to people that come to me saying, I want to do the podcast. And they think they have to do this. Like, bitch, we literally, I just literally sit in front of the iPad and we talk.
2: yeah and diamond has been so gracious also in 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 being a a source of advice for us and i know for me personally she was one of the she to me you know she never gets enough tens because she was legal on the internet doing this work before a lot of girls really were willing to really live their truth in front of the computer like she was she's an og youtube you know she's og that's og and i have to give respect to my og because um, you know, I found that empowering and scary as hell. And I never thought that I could be that girl. I was a old girl and I'm glad there's people that could do that. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad there's people that could do that. And because I just couldn't imagine having that, being able to sit in a space where people are listening to me and possibly judging what I have to say. And now I'm at the point where I don't give a fuck, but it's because I saw somebody not giving a fuck, but that allowed me to be able to not give a fuck. So thank you for being that possibility model, for sure. For
0: thank sure. you. Thank you. Um, so I think we have time for one more. So Mimi, um, you can come
1: up. Thank you. Um, hello, I just wanted to like thank you both for this po- oh for this uh, panel discussion and also I like I took a couple of things away from it that I wanted to mention. Um, one of them was earlier um, the comment was made about. Um, Particularly, Aeon about I was was and am angry, and then like like when you were talking about having that period of time of being angry and expressing it and understanding like how to like express it and release it, and the idea that you could be angry and also acknowledge your anger and be be okay with that later on. is something I'm still working to get to. Cause I always, like I've expressed my anger in some really toxic ways and on some people who are closest to me. Um, and I'm still trying to acknowledge the fact that my anger is rightful and that I I deserve to have it, but also then finding and figuring out healthier ways to let it go. Um, I think something else that helped me out was, um, Uh, Just really our conversation about being sure that, you know, like when when you were talking about passability earlier and how that goal of passability isn't going to necessarily save you, or isn't something that is going to be the end all, be all, and that you had to get over that lie that you told yourself. That's something that I have to continue to understand right now, being early on in, in all of the processes of my transition that I'm still trying to gain, that I'm still trying to gather. Like whether it's you know my top surgery, whether it's my bottom surgery. Anything from like how I'm walking through the streets. It's like I still have that lie in my mind sometimes, and I have to continue to like get through that. And it really meant a lot to me to hear you say that. So I just want to thank both of y'all from the bottom of my heart. I took away so many different words, quotes, like for me, just seeing two Black trans women women on here talking, people on here talking for me and giving me another way to frame things and to look at my own mental health and for everybody else here in this space, it means so much for me, especially after the year I've had and so the year and a half we've all had, but um, this particular year has been really rough. So I just thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you,
0: thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> sis, did you want to take us out of here?
2: I did. To everyone under the sound of my voice on this call and at home, we love you and we thank you for all of your support, all of your comments, all of your affirmations, all of the thoughts, all of the prayers, all of the emotional investment in listening to us for this journey of almost two years now. You know, it has been a beautiful journey. It's something that I personally it is a highlight of my week. And it's the highlight of my life to be able to say that there's a body of work that is affecting people. Um, one of the things that is very powerful is that I get to do it with a friend. This is easy. Brianna and I, Aon and the Lioness used to have these conversations on our own, just on the phone, two and three and four hour conversations. And we would always say, Uger, I wish we could have taped that. Uger, I wish we could have taped that. And then eventually, we got to the point where we were like, well, maybe we should. And that's when we reached out to Diamond. And then from there, we went ahead and jumped on and then made the move. But I want to thank everyone on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Patreon, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, and every place podcasts are, are, are streamed. Thank you for participating in this journey with us. This has been another episode of Vox Number 512 Podcast grown black trans woman talk and i am one of your co-hosts the lioness
0: and i am aeon bye thank you for listening to another episode of box number five podcast grown black trans woman talk
2: and don't forget to become a patron on the box number 512 patreon page where we have all new exclusive content
0: And also, don't forget to follow us on our social media, on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages, and also become a subscriber on our YouTube
1: page. Until next time, bye.